0: This episode of The Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by The Finish Line Script Competition. In its sixth year, The Finish Line Script Competition is the only script competition run by ex-literary managers. Six plus pages of actionable development notes are available to you, or you can submit your script as is. Scripts can be rewritten and resubmitted for free. Any time throughout the competition, over 40 mentors read and meet with the winners and the competition staff itself works with many semifinalists on getting their material read throughout the industry. They are here to help writers succeed by improving your script along the way and making sure you get opportunities when your material is ready. So check out what's happening at finishlinescriptcomp.com. Now open for submissions. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminished And the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the red room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd is got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's of kasha. Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more no game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap Of screenwriting It's exciting When you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome
1: to the rant room, rant, room, rant, room, rant, room, rant room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters' Rant Room. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Lisa, What, what kind of
2: forever? <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll keep it that way until Chabot wins his Oscar.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So
2: when he gets that, then we can, like, all right, we can
1: move it We can we move it but you guys know how we, do it, how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. You hear her voice? Lisa yes. Bullock is in the yes. building.
2: Yes. Out there trying to find cats and shit. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's like, it's, it's, it, originally it started off as my cat. It's my cat. If those of you who've ever heard me talk about him, he's like three years old now. His, na- his name is Shaolin Fantastic. I named him after <laughs> the character <laughs> on the TV, the, the Netflix series. I am, don't yeah. even remember the name of the series, but uh, what's his name? Um, oh, um, The actor who's getting all the praise now and he's fine. Oh. I a well, you know, the problem the fine. problem is there's so many black male <laughs> actors out there that are fine now, so it's like god i gotta I gotta do my scrolladex. like which one is it, which one is it which one is it but anyway, yeah, his name is Shalom fantastic, but my sister calls him Rocky, my mom calls him Rocky, so I love him, but somehow he got out the house, so my mother's a little upset because she's very protective of him, and you really? know you know how you know how cat mommies are
1: doesn't <laughs> do mm. and uh Chris Derrick is uh he's working right now, so. He won't be on, but we got everybody else here. Yes. We're excited to have my dude in the building. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Writer, producer, director himself, actor, Dwayne Barnes. What up,
3: dude? (laughs) Mama, I made it. Mama, I made it.
1: I made it on the ramp room.
3: I (laughs) made
2: it.
1: (laughs) So me and D.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Go, ahead, like, go, ahead, Lisa. go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's like, I, 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 Dwayne, I apologize ahead of time. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I
3: know. I, I, yes. I accept right. your apology.
2: <laughs> I'm to tell you how
1: I met Dwayne. So, I was telling Dwayne this, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, this is how I remember meeting you. So, we both were auditioning for Paris Barclay's play. Right? Uh, One, One, One Red Flower is what it was called. It was called something else before that, wasn't
3: it? Letters okay. from, Letters from Nam, it were first. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <clears throat> and so I go to this audition. Now, I already know Paris and Christopher, as you know. And um, so they invite me to come into this audition. And so I go in and, and, I'm standing outside, and Dwayne is outside. He's got on his full military outfit. I'm like, look at this motherfucker! <laughs> he did, he doing extra. Look at, look at this. <laughs> uh, wait, what, what's, what's the line? He said, "Look at
2: this pretty uh, motherfucker right here." Yeah,
1: <laughs> t- I'll tell you why I did that. Oh, that's, it's, it was like a like smart a, yeah. move. It was a smart move. Don't. Yeah. Get me.
2: Yeah. So,
1: so I go in. Uh, uh, I see him outside. He's you know we all outside it, all the other all the other actors whatever, and they call Dwayne in. Now, the door's open, so you can hear the guy go in and sing their song, do their, do their scene, whatever. And he does, I don't know if you did your scene first or sing or whatever, but I remember hearing his voice coming from outside. I was going, I ain't going to get this. <laughs> <laughs> My boy can, can blow, okay? Mm-hmm. I can sing. Yeah. He can blow, right? There's two different mm-hmm. right? Now, if we was dancing, I would have got him. Trust you me. <laughs> you would have got him. Yeah. But oh, trip. No. So, 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 so I heard Dwayne. I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to get this part. So I walked in defeated by the time I got Aww. in that. Heat.
2: I did. So I never told you this part.
1: I walked in defeated. And um, um, Dwayne and, and got the part, right, which he should have got because he fucking killed it. <clears throat> so that's how I met Dwayne. I just wanted to say that little short little story. And, and I'll never forget, um, you know, when you guys started rehearsing, you guys did the show, and I came to see the show, and I was like, oh, he did the right thing. Let me do and you're an amazing actor too, so it's like mm-hmm. not like you just you know kid saying, but damn it, you fucking killed it. And so that's kind of like how our relationship started, and from there we you know we started hanging, and we wrote some shit later on. But that's that's the general stuff. But uh, welcome to the show, D.
3: Welcome, welcome. Yeah, that um, that's interesting because getting that part and being chose by Paris was just like a dream come true. Because mm-hmm. to me. At that time, like, he was, and he still is, he was just, like, everything for me. You know what I'm saying? He was black, he was successful, and he just had this light about him. I remember I was auditioning for something on 20th Century Fox, and I saw Paris, and he was just happy, this happy man. I'm like, who is this guy? And so... In that role, I was just like, "Oh my God, like just to work with him and to be around his energy and to learn from him. It was just such a beautiful experience, just right. working with Paris, yeah
1: yeah, and he had he had this play that he wrote, um where it was about Vietnam, like letters from Nam or something. It was a very good concept. um you guys workshopped it like all over the place, didn't you mm. um, yeah, and um um yeah, it was one of those shows because I remember I've seen it in several different iterations of it, you know, because <clears throat> I think you I think you might have been in all of them. I can't remember. But I know, like- you know, you,
3: know who, you know. know, who actually played my role? They did it at Rutgers. And do you know? Oh, I do. You know. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Was it T T? t? No. Um, no,
3: it's, it's, an, it's an Oscar nominee.
1: Oh, was it um,
3: Leslie Odom Jr.?
1: That's what it oh, was. Leslie. That's yeah. where I met Leslie. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how I knew Leslie from way back. That's what it was. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah.
3: I, thought, I thought that was pretty cool, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Harris be discovering some stars.
1: Okay. <laughs> Just remember, you guys made that CD. Um, yes. Of, I still have it somewhere, and I only hear your voice on it, though. Hmm. It's still one of my favorite little, you know, mu- musical things that I listened to, well, I used to. It's been years. Um, yeah. but it just, that cast was so tight. You yeah, know, was so you was at, and um, Levi, like all of them. It was awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah. David Burnham. It was a great experience. I mean, I mean, I mean, and we were actually in uh, Massachusetts, excuse me, when the nine <laughs> eleven situation happened. Doing from now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I was scared to fly back to L.A. and I took <laughs> a long train ride. And my <laughs> grandmother was like, "You gonna wimp out?" My grandmother was like, "You gonna <laughs> wimp out?" I was like, mm-hmm, okay. "I'm taking okay. the train."
1: So, okay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so let's tell everybody where you're from, D, and then we'll get into the article and all that stuff like that.
3: I am from the innards of Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, the iron Detroit? City. The innerds and the innards. I say the innards because sometimes you meet people. Yeah, you meet people, and they be like, "I'm from Detroit." They be like, "Oh, where?" They be like, "Oh, Flint." I'm like, "That's not Detroit. <laughs> That's like..." Thing you're from LA yeah. when you live in Orange County, you know okay. what I'm saying? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> okay. <from laughs> Inner city <laughs> of Detroit, yes, <laughs> the
1: northwest
3: side. Yes. Okay, oh my God, that's too
1: funny. How, how did you? How did you? Were you always an actor? Like, how did that? How did that come about that you started acting and singing and stuff like that?
3: Um, I started. It, I was singing a lot. Like, singing was my main passion and stuff. And were you I was singing in like, church. Singing in the church, yep, I had my first solo at at three years old, and I got up there, and I was like, ah... I wanna be grandma, I wanna. But anyway.
2: And <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And the deaconess in the back there, everybody clapping, like, okay, you know what? Mm-hmm, that's Miss okay. May's grandbaby. We're gonna be polite, y'all. We're gonna <laughs> give the baby, we're gonna encourage the babies. We're exactly. going to encourage the babies.
3: <laughs> exactly. I was encouraged the baby. But interesting, I think that's when I got my first hit of attention honestly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was like I like this attention because yeah. unfortunately I wasn't getting much attention in my family environment because there was a lot of stuff going on so yeah. I was like yeah. oh this is something where I can get seen and, mm-hmm. and appreciated and approved yeah. and so I started singing a lot um, just you know in school talent shows and then in the 10th grade i they had an announcement for the drama guild and i was like oh acting and so i didn't go to the, to the audition but a, a girl in my spanish class she asked for a pen and i and and we got to talking and she was like she was in a drama uh, guild and I was like, oh, I was going to audition for it. And she was like, why didn't you? I was like, I'm scared. And then basically she took my hand and took me down to the drama teacher and introduced mm-hmm. me. And that, nice. she, you know. I've never
1: heard this story before. That's interesting.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. so cool. And yeah. she's still in my life. I still talk to her on a regular basis. I'm like, you did this. You put me <laughs> in all of this. So. Right.
1: Is she, she still acting at all? Or?
3: No, she's like getting her doctorate. She's gone on to doing other things, but she got me in it, and she changed my life, you know. Because, but you know, God always sent angels. She was an angel, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying?
4: Mm
1: -hmm. Totally relate to that. And and I could think of. It's funny because I started acting on my own. Um, I think I saw a friend of mine in a play, and like middle school or something or like somewhere around, like I was around 12 <clears throat> and, and he had actually wrote this little school play that they did. And they kind of did a spinoff on star Wars and mm-hmm. turned it to like this ghetto star Wars thing, but it was so good. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting there going, wow, this dude, I had no idea he could act like this, you know, that he wrote this thing. And I was like, wow, like I, I, I always thought I could do that, but I never didn't know we could, you know, what mm-hmm. I mean? and it's one, it's mm-hmm. one of the things it's one of the things that we talk about a lot um, at the Writers Guild on the Black Committee is a lot of people don't know it, but we're not, <clears throat> we don't really work together with the NAACP Image Awards that much anymore because they don't air the, um, the, um, the Writers um, right, right. Um, Award. right and, mm-hmm. and they have us do all this work for them, you know, and do all these readings and, you know, vote and all this other stuff. And then they don't even air us. You know, they, they only care about the movie stars, you know? Yeah. And we're yeah. like, you don't realize how important but, it is. And, without
4: and so, writers. Exactly. And I was like,
1: <laughs> and I was like what, you, what, you, what you're good? missing, and this has been our argument we've had with them, you know, I've said and other people have said, is, is what they're missing is some young black kid, say say male say or female, it. is somewhere in America Senior. watching the NAACP Awards, Image Awards, going oh my god, a, a, a black writer wrote this thing? Yeah. And so sure enough, this all happened around the time when Lena Waithe won her, her um, Emmy. And we were like, see, we could have had this moment on the BET Awards. Exactly. I mean, on the, on the Image Awards. You right. know what I mean? Right. And instead, you guys Many just times. want to see
2: movie stars. Many times <laughs> over, I mean? we could have been had that. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: yeah. then, you know, Issa had a moment. You know, but this person. And then we're like, see, you guys are missing all these moments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean and they Mm -hmm. still are like oh well you know it's it's kind of the old guys and all they care about is this and this they just want to see movie stars and i was like whatever dude well fuck it we're not supporting y'all no more so we just it's been like three years we have
4: and
1: so um I say that to say that that um it is important for I wish that I knew you know that 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 there were people writing because I probably wouldn't have stayed an actor as long. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that it was capable, and even and you know, D, you and I did lots of guests and co-starring roles on TV shows. I never saw nobody black really, except for when we worked with Paris.
4: Mm-hmm. It was very rare.
1: You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. and so, you just don't even know it's it's available to you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so mm-hmm. so anyway, that's I just wanted to. This is why we oh. call the ramp way. No, that's
3: good. That was a good rant. I like okay. it. Rant,
1: rant, okay. Rant. <laughs> so what, what finally brought you out to L.A.? How did you finally get here?
3: Um, a good friend of mine, Nikki Gilbert, uh, she's... she and I were crazy enough to just say we're just going to do it. We went to college, Eastern Michigan University. We were there for a year and a half, and this girl we knew from Detroit had put out a single in detroit that was kind of a success and she went to la and she told me about it She was like i went to la and i went to this club and i met stevie wonder and this and that <laughs> and so i was telling my friend i'm like she told me that la is so beautiful and wonderful and we both just looked into into each other's eyes at the same time and we said we're moving to the up to la really? And that's how it happened, and so everybody we was. Called, yeah. Wait, no. wait, wait,
2: wait, the Club girl on I me mean, wants to know what was the name of the song, and what was, and what, and what was the genre? Was it house music? Was it some? good no, house? she did.
3: She did a remake, a remake of "If You Play Your Cards Right" by Alicia Myers. I don't okay. know if you guys know yes. that. But okay. Yeah. it was like, but it was like a local success, and then I think I guess one of the guys from BBD flew her out there, and. It inspired us. And we just decided to drop out of college. We used our financial aid to... Uh, Wait! <laughs> uh, I never knew that either, dude.
2: Wait! <laughs> Y'all left college. Wait, was it mid-semester? Was it like in the middle of a final? Like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> We're leaving right now. Yes.
3: All I know is we got our financial aid and we used that money to find <laughs> us wow. coming out here. <laughs> and um, uh, we stayed, that's
1: we stayed my, Yeah, it
3: was. I mean I'm, we ain't have no money we from yeah. Detroit we used to do silly stuff like we used to call record labels and and, and when the receptionist answered the phone she would start singing and, and the receptionist oh you sound good and uh, you know we would just do like we made up a routine we like okay when we come out there we're going to have our routine because if we're walking down the street somebody might come and discover us so we just y'all, like y'all,
2: be- y'all believed all of them stories about L.A. Uh, we gonna watch us, they gonna
3: see us. He <laughs> believed it all, and so we just moved out of here. We stayed in a hotel on Highland and Hollywood Boulevard. Prostitutes was banging it. At- it was just so crazy.
1: But <laughs> and- felt like home, didn't it? Okay. <laughs> it said it felt like home,
2: didn't it? Felt but, like it felt like oh, this is like this is this is Detroit <laughs> West. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
3: But you know what's so interesting this is what i also want to clarify you know sometimes when i tell people i'm from detroit and they hear about my life my mother being on drugs it wasn't it wasn't like your mama on crack rock <laughs> so just like, it was, i mean i'm just saying it wasn't all pray, it wasn't pray. all like just dusty and dirty <laughs> and dirty pampers and we all smelling like pee it was it wasn't like that you know what i'm saying we were like functional Right. dysfunctional. You know what I'm trying to say? No, so we
2: love Detroit guys. I'm just talking from California and start. my club. Listen, yeah, from right. my club days, yeah. it was like see, I'm, I'm from California. So it's like whenever you're dealing with black guys from California, that's a whole different breed that most of us California girls don't even want to deal with. So we were always happy when brothers came from other places like down South or from Detroit or from Chicago or from New York, because it was like, oh my God, people who like black people. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> and so, and, and, and Detroit always had the best, it's like Detroit and Chicago, always had the best like dancers, had the most mm-hmm. most interesting creative, not to say that South and all that New York didn't have all that too, but there was just something different about people from, you know, Motor cedar especially, that just had that certain ump. And I'm only saying that because I used to be married to somebody from Detroit. So I know. It's like, hey, oh, Detroit, Detroit. Right. And that and that, hist- and that history and, you know, and the different types of black folks in Detroit because you got those who are kind of sprinkled out and outside of Detroit, like East Lansing, you know, the ex-in-laws, you know, all those people. And, you know, just a lot of people out in those places that, you know, are one, you know, just a, it's just the history of and the richness. And it's just, I'm always curious to know what it's like when people come from really, that I think are cooler places than California, when you guys come out here, especially artists, people who are in the arts, because I always think when people think of Detroit, of course, they think of Motown, they think of all the great talent that's come from there, and it's like, were you disappointed when you came to California? I mean, because California has that, that kind of glow and that Hollywood thing, and it's always interesting to see people when they actually get here, and they see the real California, artistic, trying to get that hustle. It's a totally different beast altogether. The fantasy of it and then the reality of it. So I'm always curious, you know, especially in the early days.
3: No, 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 California is heaven to me. It still is. I still pinch myself to see like the the beautiful weather and the mountains and, you know, above my place. I see the Hollywood sign every day. And I'm telling you, I still like, oh my God, like I'm in California. So So, no. Yeah. In my experience, when I used to tell people I was from Detroit, it was like a they felt sorry for me, and so I felt <laughs> like. <"It's hard> to <laughs> be I go, I'm from, I'm, I'm from Detroit, but oh, what a rough city! Oh, that's so, so funny. I, started, I saw for a while. I started just telling people I was from Michigan because I was like, maybe if I just say Michigan, they mm-hmm. won't go to that place. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I always have to kind of defend Detroit a little bit and say mm-hmm. like it's. It has its ways, but it's not that, that bad, but it's mm. bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, the thing with, I had to break moving out here, Detroit people, we love to match. Everything matches, like the pants, the shoes, the shirt. Yeah. That's funny. It's like matchy, matchy, matchy. And even when yes. my friends and my family members come out here, I'm like, you don't have to match and you don't have to it's dress so, so serious. <laughs> <laughs> they dress serious. I'm like, okay.
2: <laughs> Every day is
1: Sunday, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: We're, We're just beautiful. going to Venice beach. It's okay. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So
1: did, how, how long was it before you, uh, you know, got some reps and started, you know, booking stuff and how did that all happen for you?
3: It took me very short period of time. We moved out here on February 3rd, 1990 I got a job probably in June at the Census Bureau, and there was an older Caucasian man who was a writer, now that I think of, it, and he was like, oh, give me your headshot, and I'll take it to my agent and see if he's interested, and he took it to his agent, and the agent called me in, I, me and a friend went and did a scene, mm-hmm. and um, he wanted to sign me, and that I got my agent like in six Wow. Six, yeah. <laughs> That's literally that's my an
1: ally. Problem. That's yeah.
3: an
4: ally. Yeah.
3: yeah. Really. Again, like the angels show up for me. That's the one thing. I mean, you said it, Dwayne. You seem to be lucky. And I'm like, I never really looked at it that way. But when I really look back on it, I guess I am very fortunate and blessed and lucky or whatever word people want to say. We, you know, But I have had a lot of miraculous, thrilling moments. So, yeah.
1: I mean, you've done... And, and, you know, we're not going to go through your entire, you know, what is it, like 70, 80, you know, fucking uh, shows and movies that you fit in. But um, and I think that's why I was I was we were talking the other day, Lisa, um, Dwayne and I about um, perception and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and how people view me and how I he was telling me I was telling him how I view him and he was telling mm-hmm. me how he viewed me, you know, from afar. Mm-hmm. You know, because we haven't seen each other in a minute. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and I was telling him about how I have watched his career and and seen him in, you know, national commercials where he's in a serial and he's in five or six of them. You know, whatever. I've seen him guest star in all kind of big shows and recur, like all kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you kind of doing it. You know, what, I mean? what are you talking about? Yeah. Every time I yeah. turn around, you know, and our friends that we know are reaching out. Hey, did you see D on that show? Hey, did you see D? You know what I mean? So I know he's still out there doing his
2: thing. You especially know my pa- Especially my favorite shows I'd be watching like on The Mentalist and like Coke. I like, wait a minute, is that sick? There he is. Yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 and,
1: but the interesting uh, thing that we were talking about was how you, even when it's about the perception. So the perception is because I see somebody on TV, it's assumed that they're doing great and everything is, you know, banking on it. They're doing, mm-hmm. you know, what else do they need to do well Mm -hmm. he's still trying to get his own show
4: right so
1: there's still something else right you know what i mean people see me out here in the guild and doing all this stuff so they think i'm doing all these things and it's like yeah i'm making projects but the projects haven't all been produced yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean i'm making projects for all these big people and building them so that we can you know we just haven't nothing's been green lit yet you know on that end you know what i mean so it's been you're always striving for something else you know, but the perception to other people when they see me, they assume I'm doing what Lena's doing, as an example. You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, bitch, I'm trying to do what Lena's doing. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: Mm. And then through. there's multiple perceptions because, you know, the people outside of the business, they are like, oh, yeah, you're doing well. But people inside of the business is like, are like, where's the series? You know, and I had an agent who was trying to pitch me to a, she was with a, a bigger firm and she said, I was trying to pitch you and they liked you. But the question came up, all these credits, but where's the series? Mm. So it's like,
1: it's, yeah, un- un- unpack that a little bit of what that it? means to people who don't quite understand that.
3: Well, I guess they I guess it means to them, if you haven't booked a series regular role on a mm. TV show, that maybe you're less than in this town. And my thing is, I have booked, like you said, like about 70, 80 credits, not counting the theater, not counting the commercials. And, right. you know what I'm saying? And a ton of things I've done. But it's like, where's the series? You know? And I don't, I mean, and that's what is in my spirit. So that's why I walk around sometimes feeling uh, not as confident about my success as i could because in the back of my mind it's like well where's the series Well where's the series where if you're that town where you know what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. so it's a really it's a it's a mind it's a mind fuck i mean and that's this town is a mind fuck because it's constantly like
4: right
3: you know what i'm saying so yeah
1: it's 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 interesting because i relate to this in a lot of ways steve because um matter of fact, me and Pamela and my producing part were just talking about something similar to this yesterday about, you know, we've written probably nine different projects together and three of them are for huge companies that we wrote these projects for and they're just sitting there. Right. And I said and I was like because I was telling her about we were talking about Lean and I was like, one of the things I love Lean is doing is. And I remember her telling me this years ago, she's like, wait, when I get there, I'm going to be producing. I'm going to be finding young talent. I'm going to be making projects and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to attach myself as producer. I'm going to discover people. She's doing all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Pamela said this to me that I've known and thought about for some reason didn't register until yesterday. She said this. She said, here's the thing. All you need is one thing, right? And then, every, and then all those other things you wrote come to fruition. Right. So there's a reason why, whether it's an actor or a writer or whoever, all of a sudden they break in in some big way. And all of a sudden there's like seven other projects comes out in the next year because they're like, what else do you have? They're like, Mm -hmm. oh, we have this and this. They're like, we'll just buy it. We'll just buy it. You're hot. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So that's why it looks like that. So we're banking our work. So let's Mm -hmm. bank that work. Let's not look at it that, oh, it didn't sell yet. Let's go. Let's bank it. This new project we have now we think is the one anyway. We'll bank it on that. You know, we'll put all our, all we can into that project right now, get it the best we can. We'll go out with UTA, we'll sell the goddamn thing, and then boom, they'd be going, what else you got next? We're going, well, as a matter of fact, here's this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that kind of like really kind of made me feel better. It's not mm-hmm. like I never thought about that, but sometimes you need to be reminded, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Yeah, it, it reminds me of when I look at like the success of Issa Rae and, you know, coming from YouTube show... And you know she's been hustling, making other stuff, besides when she was doing oh, Awkward Black Girl. And now, you know, that she's got all these other different projects coming up. People are like, oh, my gosh, she's coming out." She's like, no, I bet you she had all that stuff stacked up ready.
4: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, because she had to make the content. The fact that she had to create her own show on YouTube
4: mm-hmm. and, then,
2: and then, you know, create an audience and then move from there. It's, it may seem to a lot of outsiders like, oh, my gosh, she just, oh, all of a sudden popped up. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure she got... All that stuff that she's been working on for, for many years, getting it ready, sharpening it up, you know, polishing it. And now that it's, you know, she's got that one thing, the insecurity hit really big. Now people are like, oh, well, what else you got that's bankable that we think? And she probably says, Here, oh, yeah, let me show you all the things that I have right now. So, you know, it's that thing about perception and understanding that no, people have been putting in some work and writing some things and from the outside might look like, oh, it's overnight, all these things are happening. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure these folks have been having these things ready to go and when they say what else do you have, boom. And of course when you're hot or when you hit, they want to attach yourself right away to that. Absolutely. So just to be aware yeah. of that.
3: But you know, for me, I just know it it's a, it was it's a spiritual thing for me because I was not ready spiritually. Mm. I was not ready. I would have if I would have got all That's of that, huge. it would have it would have drove me crazy because I was not living in my full integrity. I didn't even know who I was. I mean, you know, I was a prisoner of ignorance Mm -hmm. and, you know, I came from a family who I was born into a family of ignorance. And I'm not saying that as a judgmental Mm -hmm. uh, way to judge them, but my parents were children, traumatized children, 14 and 15 and 16, you know what I'm saying? So I came into that and so I came out here in California. Prior to coming out here, nobody had ever really told me I was attractive or you know what I'm saying? And I'm in this I'm in this city. I don't know anything about business. I don't mm-hmm. know anything. All I know is I have a talent. Right. But you know talent only can take you so far. And even in me <laughs> connecting with Paris, I know mm-hmm. he loved my talent, but I know I was so insecure and self-conscious and so, you know what I'm saying? Be- mm-hmm. So I mean, so I just wasn't ready is what I'm saying. So I thank God it didn't happen then, but now I'm ready. Because I, I'm free and I don't care. What? I know myself. You know what I'm saying? Say? So I love that. Say, wait, say, uh, say that one
2: more again. You're, what? You're free. <laughs> I'm
3: free. I am free and I know myself. Yes. And I'm telling you, that's the best. That's all I was looking for, really, in this career. I was looking to be free. I was like, save me. Set me free from this prison. And I thought the, I thought the entertainment, I thought acting would do it. It's like, Nuh-uh. no, you got to do it. It's like this is like about you. It ain't about going to get that to get it. No, you got to get it first, and then flow.
1: And see, and see, you you hit something right on the nail. So I talk to writers and actors all the time about this. About I give comparisons. Like we hear all the time about some, you know, um, uh, Lindsay Lohan type of character, or whatever. Somebody makes it really quick, and then boom, they become a drug addict or whatever the thing is, right? Mm -hmm. And and I said it's a really they're like, well, why do you think that happens? I was like, because exactly what Dwayne du- just said, they didn't fix themselves first. Yeah. Success does something to you, it brings out the best or the worst in you. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're already an asshole and you become successful, and everywhere you go, people give you and you know, and oh oh put the red carpet out for you. You you become this thing. You know, like like the the new I was using the example as you remember the other day, um Lisa, about the Justin's um, song, Lonely. Right. He's a perfect example of somebody right. who made it and, and started to believe their own hype and realized he was living in a world where he's the only person there now because he pushed everybody away and et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's a real thing. You know? And, and what happens is maturity will either help you or you will just fall. Yeah. You know? You will have to reinvent yourself. You know? Like we were talking about Shia LaBeouf the other day. You know? Or you just fall by the wayside and stay in the gutter. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's up to you to reinvent yourself. But I agree with you, D. I don't mean to make this so long-winded, but I agree with you 100%. I've said it myself at 50 now. You know, it would have been nice to have gotten it five or 10 years ago, you know, but I feel like now, in my, where I am now, all the 28 projects I've produced now, I'm so much more ready to be a showrunner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. much more ready to be mm-hmm. you know what I mean? and so and so and I know that uh, everything is falling into place you know mm-hmm. on time the way it was supposed to be unfortunately it was just supposed to be later for me
3: you know yeah. we, it's kind of interesting my astrology said that years ago I saw it when I was like 47 it said your success isn't going to happen until you're 50 wow. because and, and I was like oh and that kind of was a little, but it was I understood it because it said that that something about my whatever I need to balance and ground because when I was in my twenties and thirties when I met Paris and all I was so desperate I was that crackhead right I mean I was so desperate I was because <laughs> it was like save me save me and then insecure and perfectionist and trying to control people it was just it was a mess and so thank. God, it didn't happen then. I'm telling you. You know, so.
1: So it's like, it's things- almost like God, it's almost like God allowed you to still, to still. See the figs. Well, well, he allowed you, he gave <laughs> you enough. He gave yeah. you enough to maintain, pay your bills, and do all the other stuff. And I'm sure you had some hard years, but you know what I mean? <clears throat> all in all, he allowed you to still sustain and to still keep your face out there and to keep your, your reps and, you know, whatever it is. And, 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 just enough so that you're like i'm still supposed to be doing this because if i wouldn't i wouldn't be working at all
3: yes
1: you know what i mean yeah and and so i know my talent is still there you know what i mean so let's 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 go ahead and get into and jump into how menace society came to you and why you took the part and all that stuff Um, because what i wanted to talk about was the reason why i wanted to have Dion. so as we all know um uh, a few weeks ago you know, there was an article that came out in, in the church. I love the, we, I love the we all know. As, as we all, we all know,
3: know. Oh, they do? Okay. Because I'm not on well, social media, so I don't know who knows. Well, nothing. that's
1: that's the problem. So it's, it's, <laughs> it was big. It was viral. Okay. Oh, wow. It was viral. Okay. Yeah. So as we all know, you know, Jay, Jay Isaacs, you know, um, Jay Isaacs, Jay, what the fuck is his name? You know what I'm talking about. Um... um well, I open up the wrong damn thing all of a sudden. Uh, I had it open a minute ago. Um, anyway, so as you know, there was an article that, that came out a few weeks ago with, uh, I can never say his name. Is it Jarrell?
3: Mm-hmm. Jarrell. Yeah,
1: Jarrell Ross, um, the big uh, management, uh, used to be Barry Jenkins' uh, manager, <clears throat> had a big, you know, moment with... Um, He's still
3: with Barry's of, manager, right? No. Is he
1: still? I wasn't yeah. sure if he still was. I thought he used yeah, to be. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Barry's manager, you know, had a big issue with one of the um, agents over at UT, I mean, at, at CAA, <laughs> and uh, apparently, he, in essence, asked them for like a, a simple favor that we would do in this industry. Hey, I noticed you guys represent this person. You know, um, I have this movie coming out. Would love to, you know, see if you can connect me with this person, so sort to of speak. And this agent basically used. <laughs> the fact that he asked him for a favor and compared it to the scene that Dwayne did in Minnesota Society in essence I'm giving you guys very cliff notes things right and this thing went viral so what happened was a few so when he sent so he sent so he texted the clip to Jarrell and Jarrell you know looked at it kind of laughed at it but later on it occurred to him holy shit this was some mm-hmm. real white privilege shit he just did to me. This is some real racist shit he did to me. So he sent a letter to um, this agent telling him how he felt about it. And I don't remember exactly how it got to Deadline, but it did. And it got to Deadline, and it became this big thing. And of course, this agent was fired. So I know um, when I saw it, I called uh, or I texted Judi. I know some other people did, and um, and makes it. I know. Uh, next thing I know, a few days later, you had an article in Deadline, and so I wanted to talk about those series of events of how that happened and where you are now in your in your life and why you said what you said. And you know, if you don't mind, because it's all there, so it's not like you can you know not so, say. So anything. you want
3: no? So you want to talk about me first getting the role of Minister Society, or you want to talk about this? Which one do you want to?
1: I want to. I want yeah. to. Well, we could talk about this, and then we could talk about. How you got the role and how it all ties in and why you responded. Does that make sense?
3: Yes, yes. So, you know, my first audition out here was Boys in the Hood. That was my first audition ever, 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 uh-huh. and uh, ever, ever, <laughs> ever. You know, and then uh, I got the audition for Minister Society, and they had me come in for the Kane role, the lead role, and the guy in the McDonald's who got jacked for something and then that role, <laughs> then the crackhead role. And I read for all three roles and of course I booked the crackhead role. And of course I was nervous because of what I said, what I was going to say. And I still decided to do it because I'm an actor, I'm an artist. and. I Honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about my mother's situation then. I didn't even mm-hmm. connect those dots at the time. It was just right. like, oh, I was more thinking about that line. Right. And my grandmother was like, "Well, you ain't laying like that." She didn't know. <laughs> I <at the> <laughs> 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 was like, "What?" <laughs> we well, go out there and do it. I was like, "Yeah." So I did the part, and you know, on the set is when I I felt the strangeness. That's when it was like, ah, oh, this is. You know, I just just saw the way people were treating and and standoffish and, you know, the directors were very gentle and you don't have to say that into the, you know, we're rehearsing it, but you don't have to, you know, and so I did it and, you know, um, like I said, I didn't want to call out MC8. I wasn't trying to, like, put any negative energy towards him, but... You know, when he said like, hey, bro, and I'm like, huh, how long you been out here? And I'm like, oh, I've been out here a year and a half. You moved all the way, all the way out here to say that shit? Wow. And I was like, yeah, I was just kind of. Just you didn't even
1: shoot the scene yet. You still got to shoot it, didn't you? Okay. Yeah,
3: I'm like, and I still got (laughs) to shoot the scene. And so I did it. And I just remember, like, Lorenz Tate and Clifton Powell. I mean, even afterwards, every time I would see Clifton Powell, he would basically just be like, almost like, respect, 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 respect. Mm -hmm. But I just had no idea that the movie was going to be that big, or just, just thought it
1: was a little little movie. Didn't yeah,
3: it? just this little movie, and then right, all of a sudden it right. came out, and then it was just like people were treating me so cold, like in mm-hmm. Detroit, everywhere, like that's that crackhead. Ugh, you just, oh, that, my mother said that you're just so wow. She can't believe that you would do something so degrading like that, and it was just mm-hmm. like. I mean, I didn't even understand the power of the the, the, the film medium, I guess. Right. I mean, I not understand, because right. I mean, I'm just like 19, 20, 21, You know what I'm right. saying? So I'm excited. I'm like, I'm not even knowing that,
4: right.
3: you know, a role in a movie could, like, I mean, of course, change your life for the better in terms right. of when you blow up. But I didn't really know that it could put such a stigma right. on it. And so I remember they did the, what's that thing? Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking yeah. your whatever. Right, so they just, Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paris, yeah. So <laughs> they called me in for that. Maybe that's when I first met Paris. It was, it had to be, but I was so, but anyway, they called me in for that and I read for some other roles and then they called and offered me we want you to play the crackhead again. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> No, I'm not doing okay, it.
2: Okay, <laughs> okay. And my
3: agent called them and was like, he's not going to do it. And they called back and said, well, how much money? We'll pay him more money. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. The first time it was art. The second time it would be, I would just be stupid for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, hire somebody to play me. I mean, I'm not going to come back and this this, this is not going to be, the, you know what I'm saying? The the standard of my career or whatever. So I I turned it down or whatever. And, you know, a lot of people are like, I can't believe you turned down that money. And then I'm like, yeah, it's like, I'm, I mean, I'm an artist. Like, I'm right. not stupid. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, and then all of all of a sudden, I started to connect it with my mother and started to realize because it was affecting me so strongly. And I was like, "Oh!" Then I started to connect the dots. Like, "Oh, this is triggering my mother." And so then it just started be- to become such an irritant. And then to be dealing with, as I said, dealing with my own sexuality mm-hmm. conflicts. You know what I'm saying? Because I had a, a daughter. I was definitely into women but definitely into men. Right. Definitely just confused and trying to figure it out, not knowing my identity at 2021, 20, not having really anybody to help me to guide me to right. to tutor me, I mean to uh, mentor me or anything. So I was just I mean I was just a bag of vulnerability, low self-esteem, like mm-hmm. just it was just it was just really horrible. I would just have to say it. And like I say, as you said, the grace of God still had me working consistently while all this is going on, you know. And honestly, I haven't had a regular job since 1997. Wow. And, and it's, so it's just such a blessing that, you know, I've sustained in the midst of all of the barrage of negativity and mm-hmm. the gift and a laughter and you know what I'm saying and, and and I know people respected oh you did such a great job but it was also like under the guise of some judgment and some shame you know what I'm saying because we don't tell our secrets in the black community mm-hmm. you know what I'm trying to say you telling our business and right. I really think that's right. kind of where MC8 may have been coming from it's like yeah. you know you're telling our business like right. you know we got crackheads we got aunts and uncles and right. you know but now you're out here like talking about the shit. Right. Just letting, our, shit.
2: Letting, letting the dirty sheets hang out in the wind, just putting our dirty laundry out there and just, I, I, you know, I don't know, because I just remember when that film came out. It also and, was
1: 20 years ago.
2: Yes. Right. Well, actually, it's, it's longer than <laughs> no, that. 30. Oh, my God. 29. 29 years. Almost yeah, 39. Yeah. Yeah. This year yeah. is 29 years.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: I remember. Because if you, because even though we think of crack, a lot of people think of New Jack City and stuff, but crack went everywhere.
4: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: even for me coming from San Diego, I know people who had to deal with that stuff, you know, because they were going back and to LA. It, it proliferated everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that at the time I was actually working at a black bookstore, because you know, us black conscious folks, like <laughs> when I was at Pyramid Bookstore, yes, and it was like we had the Muslim Nation of Islam at the fish store right next door to us. Mm-hmm. and so, you know, being in my early 20s and being around, like, you know, Kwame Ture came through there, ro- you know, Rosa Parks. Like, our bookstore, we had wow. everybody who was anybody was coming through San Diego, was coming through our bookstore. So mm-hmm. I was I was meeting a lot of, you know, of course, when you're young, you don't realize how important <laughs> these mm-hmm. people are. You, you know who they are, but it's like you don't realize the historical, well, the gravitas of them. Right. But in the midst of that, I remember, because my homies, like, and... You know, it may come from me being that old school, you know, the one girl that had a lot of male friends. And I remember when in Society came out, when I went to go see it, I went with my homeboys to go see it because none of my homegirls wanted to go see it. They were like, oh, girl, we already seen like all these other hood men. We don't need to. See. And it's like, you know, but you know, I got to go see it. You know, I, I like stories. You know, these are new, these two twin dudes who are making this. They're trying to, you know, we did shit in the 70s. So we got to like understand, let's just go see this movie. And I remember sitting there with, my black male friends who were dealing, they're young dudes, you know, a lot of them were young fathers. A lot of them were dealing with relatives who were dealing with crack. And normally when we go see black films, cracking jokes that you I ain't hear no peep from none of these Negroes. Like, they won't say <laughs> shit. And I was like sitting in the middle in the back row doing like, oh, and me coming from like the nerdy black girl, you know, like I came from the hood, but the hood's not really my forte because <laughs> my mom was one of those Pittsburgh, you know, light skinned, the respectable Negro types that just, you know, mm-hmm. she just, she did, she lived among those people, but that was not her world. And it was like, I grew up in it, but not of it. But I was like that observer, you know, and didn't hear a peep. And when your, scene, when your scene came up, you know, most people afterwards, they would joke about, it, like, oh, haha, it was funny, or it was this. I remember my friend was, like, crying next to me, you know? Mm. And it was, like, dealing with so much stuff and seeing that in your face, it was very difficult. And I think I remember much later... Um, When I had a friend that was working at Sony and I was asking her like, yeah, you know, we're talking about movies and stuff. And I just, I think I remember, and I think you might have mentioned it in the article at Deadline, like nobody really wanted to take that role, Mm -hmm. you know? And a part of me feels like it's like it was too real and there's shame coming from those type of environments. There's embarrassment. There's the idea, like you said, the respectability. We don't want white folks seeing us like that, even though a lot of us know that that shit is real. You know, that's real life. Mm -hmm. And literally a couple of my friends who are sitting here watching this movie, they got to go home to that. They got to go home to somebody like that. Like, literally, we have friends where it's like, okay, if you all come over to cookout, don't bring no personal shit that might get get stolen. I'm just saying. You know, you might not want to bring nothing... You know, And I'm like, nothing I get nothing, it. Nothing shiny. Nothing and yeah. And it's nothing, it wasn't like being disrespectful or cracking jokes or anything like that. It was more like, this is the reality that we're dealing with. People are struggling. You know, when we come over here, don't bring no shit. Or if, you, if they come over, don't really come to the house or have them come over watch your shit. You know, and there are a couple of friends, you know, that I had, the people I knew. Like, if they came over, it's like, yeah, you, you hang out there. We'll, we'll handle what we need to do and we'll come out. For you to, like, actually live that Dwayne in real life and have to deal with that and then have to act it and then have these other people say shit to you, like, why would you take that role? Why would you, you know, like, I just felt your pain reading the article in Deadline where it was like, dude, you're an actor. And what actors do is they reveal things about our humanity um, that we need to sit with sometimes. And I can just imagine you being, like, only 20 years old, getting out here, getting this role. It almost reminds me of the other brother that um, who played Jar Jar Banks, mm. where we're playing a certain role and you're excited about it, and then you get all this heavy criticism about it. It's it's soul crushing, you know what I mean? And Ooh. Menace was such a huge film when it came out, and the irony was, remember years like. Maybe 10 years, 15 years later, I, my friend that I, one of my friends that I went to the movie with, I said, Yo, I remember you <clears> sitting <throat> there crying and how effective, and he denied it.
4: Mm. So like,
2: <laughs> that didn't happen. You making stuff up. I'm like, dude, I was sitting next to you. You were really struggling getting through that movie. Denial. Wow. Oh, you liar. You not. That, that didn't happen. Oh, I'm yeah. like, you-
3: you I'm don't like, tell a black man he was
2: crying. That's the I'm weakest like, thing a black man could do. Like, I said, wait, wait. I was like, nigga, I was sitting there with our... Because back in the day, we were you wearing know, those biker pants. I said, we were wearing biker shorts. <laughs> and our cross-color shit. And you had that double fade with lines all up in the head. Like, nigga, you were shaking. I saw you. And I held your hand to say, dude, you know... Hey, it's, it is what it is. We're here. We're going to watch this movie. going to get through this. And for him to like deny that that ever happened 10 years later, like, you lying. You ain't the embarrassment of, of seeing vulnerability on yeah, film. No. Because that character you play, like, I know people crack jokes and they did stuff, but it's like a lot of us sat there and it's like, dude, that's my uncle. That's my cousin. That's my dad. That's my brother. You know, like, I'm sitting there watching this on film, but I got to fucking go home and see this shit in real life. You know what I mean? or you see that person down the street, you know, and, and I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think the, the, the big
1: thing that I got on your, um, the, the letter that you wrote D in response, and, and let me just ask you this. Let me just preface this part. What made you decide, and how did it come about that you wrote a letter? Let me, let right, me get that. You that you responded well, to first that. Of
2: yeah. all,
3: well, first of all, I want to say what Lisa was saying. First sure. of all, I had never, ever told anybody that nobody else would take that role because that was so embarrassing to me. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. It was just so embarrassing to me. And the first time I ever told anybody was in that letter. And I don't know why that, when they told me that, I think they told me in a a pride way. Mm
4: -hmm. But
3: again, I took it in a like such a, a shame. it just made me ashamed again or embarrassed mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's like wow like because it was my life it was like my mother it was like wow i was like so anyway that was it. and then the fact that you said the brother was crying it actually made me cry too because yeah. i'm glad it 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 reflected humanity back to people because it it was a crisis yeah you know what i'm saying it was it was not something that we should be ashamed of in a sense. It was like these drugs were brought into our community and right. It,
2: right.
3: you know still, what I'm saying?
2: Still By, and still, you know yes. what I'm saying?
3: By yeah. the powers that be and it right. wreaked wrecked havoc on our lives, right. on my life. You right. know what I'm saying? And this right. is not something that we should be ashamed of. You know? Right. Um, so anyway, as I told you, my desire was always to be free in life. I feel like that was my main purpose in life. It's like I came into this world to be free. Right. You know, I, I, I came in, okay. I, I was born into this prison and I'm getting free. That's why I moved to California. And then when I got in California, Minister Society, in a sense, put the shackles back on me. Mm. And so I always have desired to be free because when shackles are on you, I'm telling you, you well, when shackles are on you, you're not empowered, you feel not worthy, you don't feel valuable, people can take advantage of you, the predators show up, you know what I'm saying? And so I knew that my way of getting free from all of that was freeing myself. And so I had been doing a lot of spiritual work on myself, therapy, yada, yada, yada. And so I'm laying on that couch a couple of Fridays ago, what, three weeks ago, and when you sent me that article, when you said, hey, Dee, Mm -hmm. And I have been praying. I think any actor wants to be in Deadline Magazine. I have been scripting <laughs> about it. Oh, I'm in Deadline Magazine. I'm in Hollywood.
1: My, my plans and goals every year. <laughs> you know what I'm
3: saying? It's just a part of your plans and goals. So I have been praying about that. And so when you sent me that thing, I'm sitting right here on this couch, right here. He'll, hey, D, you're in Deadline again. Your scene is in Deadline. And I'm like, my scene? What is he talking about? <laughs> I'm like, right. Minister Society is in right. Deadline? My scene? Right. And I'm like, God, what, why did this happen? Like, what do you want me to do with this? Mm. And so at first I was thinking, well, maybe, I have to be honest, the actor hustler hat came yes. on. And it I was should. like, maybe I should call a friend and just be like, oh, just write a comment and say, oh, that's Dwayne Barnes, just to get my name in there. I was like, right. Spirit was like, no, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. And so I kind of let it go. And a couple of other friends kind of sent me, oh, it's in there. And then I'm laying there. I said, but you know what? That's a shame that that brother had to go through that. That is a shame that he had to endure that. How humiliating. Because I know shame. And I, and I had so much compassion on him. And Spirit was like, write him a letter. And I was like, huh? I was like, write him a letter. And so I wrote that letter in like five minutes. It just kind of poured out of me. And spirit was like, "Don't think about it. Just send it. Don't you know what I'm saying? Don't overanalyze it. Just send it." I sent it, but when I wrote it, I I knew it was something. Right. Yes, but when I wrote it, I knew it was something special. You know what I'm saying? And I knew it was like I never really expressed myself like that way in terms of the sexuality, in terms of everything. I just knew it was something special, And and, and so. Basically, they called me and was like, we love it. Do you mind us printing it? And again, it was like, yes, it was like a Rosa Park moment. That's what's Mm -hmm. funny you mentioned Rosa Park, because Mm -hmm. it was just like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I don't care anymore (laughs) about anything, like just print it. And so that's kind of what happened. They just printed it, and I just felt like I feel free. I felt free. I feel like, yeah, I just felt free. I feel free. You
1: got, you got to understand, Lisa, <clears throat> and, and I told you this the other day D, we were on the phone, is that, you know, I know what it's like to be an actor. All your family, friends, the whole neighborhood knows you've been on TV and all that shit. And you know deep down inside you feel a certain way. You know what I mean? Luckily for me, I was out earlier than you ever came out um, and uh, in whatever way you came out. And for me, I told you when I first started writing 20 years ago, it is when I felt the most free because I no longer cared about being an actor anymore. So I knew I was behind the this, this scene and it wouldn't matter as much. Now I lean on it and I just throw it away. Oh, I'm a black dude. I'm gay. Blah blah. I just throw it away. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not even a part of my thing, you know, and I'm not like walking around sissifying and all that other shit. It's pretty obvious that I'm gay, I think, but I don't lean in it. I don't use it. I never even think about it. You know what I mean? It's just a part of me, but I want you to know it because I don't want to be disrespected in any kind of way. Right. That part. That part. And, right. and, and I want you to know it because I want you to know that I'm good with it. Right. right. You know what right. I mean? And that's, and that was the change for me. So when I read this and I saw you embrace, because I know that you were going through that way back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Of, of, of. You got to understand, for, for the listeners out there, we have a lot of listeners. Um, it's not very easy to be an actor or an actress or anything like that and be openly gay, especially mm-hmm. the type of roles you've been playing over exactly. the last twenty, thirty years. Exactly. And so, and so you have to realize there's a reason why actors choose not to say anything. Now, it's definitely, we're starting to see a lot more out actors, but a lot of the out actors that I see are people who play more queer roles, Mm -hmm. right? Most of them, not all of them. There's a few who get through there, you know, here and there, but for the most part, they still do, you know, the Wilson Cruises and people, they still play the gay characters for the most part. And so, I don't think you've played another gay character really sets pretty much you know maybe one two characters you know what i mean no I i've
3: never and played your a character, gay character wasn't
1: gay your character wasn't gay menace right no
3: i've that, never that's... played a gay character so yeah. the thing is and i remember this and i feel bad because i remember my agents who i know were gay they sent me an audition for a gay character i remember i was just like i can't play this role i just can't play a gay character <laughs> and uh, and i and and, I, and and also it was because of menace society you right. know what i'm saying it's like i just did not want to give people more ammunition to hurt me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying a lot of it was trying to keep myself safe and even in discovery you know sexuality is a spectrum right. and even in the article i know somebody could say well why he like- all try- he's trying to say queer he know he a, he a queen or whatever it's like no it's like That's a part of me too. I felt like that movie took away my full sexual expression. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm. at 20, people coming up, you're gay. You're gay. You're gay. And so I guess I felt like, well, okay, well, let me be gay then. Because, Mm -hmm. and I started, and but here now I'm like, well, maybe because I still I'm still attracted to women. You know what what I'm saying? I'm not. Yeah. You know, but I just I feel like I'm not. I'm still not living my truth in that. I'm not being all of myself. And mm-hmm. so let me take, that's why I say I take back my power
4: right.
3: to be right. who I know I am and all who right. I know God created me to be. Right. And I'm not saying that I will ever be, get with a woman or get married to a woman, but I'm saying that's still a part of my palette
2: right. that right.
3: I deserve to explore right. if right. I ever want to. And And, is that sense, course, and, and, and,
2: and that's something that, you know, Back in the '90s, we didn't have that sense of fluidity, that sense of the language to 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 talk about sexuality and acting. Because you know, back in those days, everybody's trying to get that hustle, everybody's trying to be the next big thing to get out there. And the irony, especially with a lot of the films that were coming out in the '90s, I had to deal with a lot of the drug stuff that was going on, gangster stuff. I mean, the explosion of hip hop and and and. MCs, rappers becoming actors and the explosion of films that were dealing with those type of things, um, you know, now we're hitting a point now where a lot of people are seeing hip-hop artists and don't realize they were hip-hop artists because they see them as actors. Like what? Mm-hmm. They used to rap? LL Cool J used to rap? <laughs> Queen Latifah's a rapper? What? You know, most Death used to rap? What? And, and then you have the whole opioid crisis. Which is a whole different way of dealing with it because so many white people are affected with it, you know, more so. So it's the more respectable way of being Mm -hmm. addicted to something and the way that people are treated compared to those of us from the, you know, the 80s and 90s. I had to, like, really go through that stuff. And on top of that, imagine dealing with that and sexuality and all the other stuff that goes on top of that. You know, I'm just amazed that so many people actually survive and get through that, to even get to now, to be where you are, Dwayne. We say it's like to be free, to be who you're meant to be, and take roles or things and not have to worry about, you know, what are people going to think of me if I take this role? Because now it's like so many shows that are coming out. I'm thinking in terms of like Pose. This is Pose's last season that's coming out. I'm thinking of shows like um, P Valley. Um, different shows that are dealing with a lot of serious issues in the black community, but also broadening the different types of identities, the different types of sexuality that are there too. And it's a fruitful time. But I, just, 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 just it's me talking, Dwayne. A, a part of me is just really resentful for a lot of stuff that should not have happened back in the days when actors were taking roles and being actors and a lot of the pain that you went through. And that's just me just being me thinking that, like, you know, we're better than that. We should have been, you know, most of our leaders and people who are helping to lead us with stuff are, are queer black folk. Like, honestly, if there weren't for queer black folk, a lot of shit that black Americans in terms of our freedoms, we would not have because we needed that brain work coming from the queer community. I'm sorry, I gotta say it. Because <laughs> if, yeah. if, if, if people had to depend on a lot of cishet folks, yeah we'd still be slaves right now, probably. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And the fact that, you know, that, that we have to deal with those type of, of those, those prejudice, even within our own folks, you know, our own people who know, you should know better in terms of what oppression means. And yet we instill it upon our own, even though we know better, we know better, you know,
3: yeah, but I, th- I think it all comes from the the the, the church. I think it comes from the religious about, yeah, institution, yeah, and yeah, it's almost yeah. like, unfortunately, that's like a cult. And it's like if you think anything outside of what the Bible says, because the Bible says, you yeah. know what I'm saying. If you think anything <laughs> outside of that, then you're going straight to hell. So part of it I get, but it's it wasn't fair to a little black kid like me and little black kids like me growing up in our era, I right. do know, I do know it's different now. Right. I do know it's different. And actually, when I turned 40, I shared it with all of my family members. Cause that was my first step in freedom because I never was planning on having a public, uh, coming out moment if you will that was never a part of my agenda that's what I'm saying this just I mean I swore never to do it because it was Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna keep it to my business my friends and my family know and that's cool So that's why this situation is bigger than me with this deadline situation. And I'm like, I did it on Deadline Magazine. Okay. Like the biggest (laughs) publication. And it was like, God, look at you. Like, I mean, and I remember I called my aunt crying. I mean, I was literally bawling my eyes out and she was like, What's going on? She thought, I said, No, these are tears of joy.
4: Mm, Because look what
3: God did. Look how he set this situation up in the biggest arena of hollywood something that i was always frightened of Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and and he's just like no we're breaking you free from this get the get over this because honestly i always used to look at straight people i'm like that's why they succeed because they go into these auditions and they're not thinking about anything but this audition they're not thinking Mm -hmm. about oh let me oh yeah am i am i looking am i looking to stop
2: right right. am i yeah. yeah Am I think I mean, I too much stuff? I, don't pre- too I, don't pre-
3: I think I don't present that way, but it's still in your head. It's like I, anytime you no, I know you're a lot of any-
1: people who read... I'm to interrupt you. I know a lot of people who read your article, including my producing partner, and she was like... What? Like, I had no idea. Like, you know what I mean? She knows who you are too. So it was like, so yeah, you don't, you, don't you know, like not And
3: then on the flip side, I had this girl say, well, everybody knew anyway. And I was just like, well, per, so I was like, well, first of all, it's my personal journey, even if everybody knew. And right. it, you know what I'm trying to say? So it's just, so that's what I'm just saying. It's like, you deal with, we it's deal, less. I deal with, mm-hmm. I speak for myself, I deal with a lot of ignorant people. I have had, close friends say to me oh my friend said i'm going to be successful because i have a gay friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i'm trying to say it's like and 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 then and then once i spoke up on it last year i was like look y'all gotta stop doing this and i'm telling you these people went for my juggler they was Mm -hmm. like well i know you have a challenge in life and you need to stop being a victim so i'm just like but i know when you're disrespecting yourself Mm -hmm. when i'm disrespecting myself when i'm not honoring and valuing and loving all of myself i attract disrespect Mm -hmm. and a part of a part of this is what i'm shifting it's like i'm loving all of myself all of my life yes my mother yes my father yes everything about my life and get over it you know what i'm trying to say if you don't want to hire or be around a person whose mother was on crack and father got shot in the head and who was molested and who's mm-hmm. open sexually, whatever, whatever, what, you know what I'm trying to say? Get over mm-hmm. it, because you don't want me. I don't re- I don't want you if you don't want all of me.
1: That right. part. Right. so
3: that's the new shift for me. And we'll see what happens. I sent it to my agent and she's yet to respond to it. I mean, I sent it to, as soon as I saw the article, I sent really? it to her. Interesting. And I have have I, I was, haven't gonna, heard I was peak. gonna
2: ask you, I was gonna ask you, what's the reception been in terms of, yeah. you know, your team and just you know, people that have known you for years? I mean, you touched on upon a little bit, but in terms of like, you know, it came out like what, March 30th, I wanna I wanna say yeah. the article yep. came out. And, you know, what has been the response?
3: Well, like I said, my agent has not said anything about it. Yeah, she's could be busy. I'll give her that, you know. I'll give her that. My manager was like, I got your back. I'm here for you. If you need me, boom, 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 boom. That's He's what done. your
1: manager's for. Yeah. But that's in terms of the manager and not in the agent, because the manager is more personal.
3: Right. But you yeah. know, but still, I mean, that's deadline. I mean, you could be I like, agree. They
1: could have know. at least, They could have been a response. I'm
3: yeah. Really but a, I know I have expectation issues that I'm working on. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I my expectations get me into a lot of traps and a lot right. of pain because I expect things that don't happen and I get cricket. Right, right, <laughs> right.
1: You know, right. Understand? <laughs> so, um, here's, here's and because cool I'm oh, Go
3: ahead,
1: I'll finish with that. Finish so with I'm that. just saying yeah.
3: the beautiful thing, I'm not on social media. That's what a couple of people say, well, what, what kind of response are you getting? I'm like, well, I'm not on social media and normally that's where you find out what people are saying and stuff and I think that's working for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I don't really, it's not really about them. I don't really care about what people are saying anymore. Cause that's been a part of my life issue.
4: Yeah.
3: What people are saying, like, it's really important what I feel and what I'm saying about me to me, you know what I'm saying? So. That makes sense. That's the level up for me.
2: That makes and it's, sense, And, and yeah. it's freeing too, in terms of that anxiety of worrying about what people think, yeah. you know, and, how will they perceive me? How will they treat me? How will they, you know, will they I treat me differently, a- you know? Yeah, I have
3: to be honest, the only thing that keeps coming to my head because I know I have a little anxiety. I keep on like, uh, I hope MC8 don't send his people at me. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the deal. i like, hope deal. you don't. I mean, cause Woo! I'm telling you a couple of times that comes up into my head because I'm like, I was not trying to like, you know, target so him or funny. anything like that's that. So but funny, I'm telling you, that's the only thing. I'm like, that, I hope I ride riding, riding. And then no, they come that's up.
2: So, that's so you funny. Because my... that back in the days, like uh, Long Beach State used to have their Black Consciousness Conference. And I remember going there and seeing Farrakhan, you know, uh, Hakimanabudi, all the big, the big, the big, the big folks. And I remember at a concert, it was like Snoop Dogg, MC8 was there, and you know, literally Men of Society had just come out. And it was just like, oh, yeah, there's MC8. You know? And it's so funny that you mentioned him. It's like, I wish he would say something. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, my about.
3: brother. Peace, Here's my brother. Peace, peace. Because I mean, because I understand I, I, where he was coming
2: from. Yeah, and especially during that time. I, I, I was about, about to say I, the same thing. thing. That. Is,
1: to me, it's a twofold whether he was making a crack at you or not hmm. Right. And I don't I'm not sure he was. He was more like, dude, you came all the way to L.A. to be a crack addict. He was like and he's he's kind of known being kind of funny. Anyway, so I think he might have just been like his humor. Right. Um, but 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 I think that if he came across this article today, I would like to think that 30 years later, this grown ass man now. Yeah. Right? He was young then. Right. You know what I mean? And he was, he was banging and he was, he was part of the crew back then. So he's probably a little bit older now, a little bit right. more set, a little more mature, and probably right. like, yeah, I probably popped off on some stupid ass shit like that. He probably is like that dude now who's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that was me back then, but now maybe, maybe I'll reach out and let him know, dude, I didn't mean it like that. He might be that dude, now. that's how I would like to think.
2: Yeah.
3: And then yeah. oppositely, he could feel that way because I, well, another thing I have to accept that everybody does not have to agree with me and it's okay. Yes. Everybody does not have to agree with my choices, and it's okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he, you know, there's people who probably read that article, be like, yep, yeah, I feel the same way." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They didn't even see because most of my friends, a lot of well, the people I talked to, they they really uh, honed in on that MCA moment. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, and he said that, and it's like, mm-hmm. but there are people saying like, "Shit, I would have said that too." You know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm.
1: I think, but I, I think it was important because you you were making a point, you know, even on the set before we ever movie ever came out, I was starting to get some tension. Mm. Right. And then what did you say? You said the Lorenz, even too short, who was out there, too. But that motherfucker's smart. See, he he's always been a little bit more mature than others. He might be talking about freaky tales and all that shit. That's his persona.
4: Mm-hmm. That's thing.
1: People don't understand. You know what I mean? That's his actual persona. He don't realize he's a businessman first, right? So I'm not, I wasn't surprised when you said Too Short. I knew Lorenz would do it. Lorenz is an actor, you know? Right. He understands you were playing a role. Right. right? He, I, I, and I know Lorenz, so I knew he would come out the woodwork going, yo, dude, or whatever he said to you, I got you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he's the lead in the fucking movie. He's at the top of the call sheet. He knows his responsibility to take care of you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's why I wasn't surprised. Him and Clifton Powell and all those other cats, you know, jumped in. So I think you were making a point. You're like, even on the set, I was getting some, some, some negative energy from one of the people. You know what I mean? But everybody came in and jumped on my side. So for him, in any way that, to all of a sudden come at you when Lorenz and all of them backed you up, now he's got to battle that.
3: Yeah, my
1: opinion. You know, looking at it from the outside well, I just in. So
3: his goons. So I mean, that's all I'm saying. Knowledge.
1: I, I, I wouldn't even, I would just um, keep living your life like you're doing right now. And, you know, I wouldn't,
0: I wouldn't be.
3: Uh, yeah, I agree with that. i You just, ain't important I'm, to him. I'm facking, but cracking. It's a little, it's a, little and it's a little crack. But, um. you, were just,
1: you were just making a point. And then, here's, the, here's the sad thing about it. It's a, it, was, it was a truth. And that's the thing that no matter what, he can't do or say anything about. He knows he said this shit. Yeah. How he said that shit and his intention and how and why he said it is for him to know and how he has to deal with it. For you to just take back the power, to me, that's what you were doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, 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 on, I, like I said.
3: And I'll bear the consequences. Like can ask what I said to me. If I got to have a black eye and all that kind of stuff No, right. all this, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i possibly be free. Look, look I'm putting my power back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to talk to you about something um, oh, my goodness! You, you were talking about. There was a passage where you said um, in your letter, now, now mixing the challenge of being an actor in Hollywood with all of that, the rejection, the heartbreaks <clears throat> of not getting roles I wanted, the people pleasing, the predators, the users, the abusers. I ran into them all while my mother laid in a hospital bed in a room in my grandmother's home. Now you kind of, tapped into that and said my mom, you know, was, was, was in a coma and you just kind of whipped through it. That's something that's really fascinating because I know that you and I were working on a story, you know, mm-hmm. about, we actually wrote a pilot about, um, Dwayne's life back at home. It was called Stranded in the Motor City. And, um, it was fascinating to me that all this time you were going through, you know, all these guest star roles and past the minutes and, you know, growing up as an adult, your mom, for how many, was it 15 years, 14, 15 yep. years, was yep. in a coma, Lisa. So he had that on his shoulders, you know? And if yeah. I recall, you the oldest too, ain't you? Yeah.
3: No, I'm the second, okay. the third. Twin, I got twin. Twin. Yeah. Right. And then I got, and I got a younger brother who I forgot to mention in that article. And it just broke my heart because I, I'm telling you, I wrote that so fast. I wasn't even thinking about that. So he right. felt, Everybody's calling him. How come you didn't? They didn't mention he. And so anyway, yes, yes.
2: <laughs> he wrote it in a that's hat, how you know hot heat. Yes. yes, you know,
3: <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. But yeah, man. My mother was in that coma. You know, she was a diabetic, but she was also doing that drug, and they said that she got a hold to some toxic drug, the crack, and it she went into a seizure and her brain lost oxygen for too long. So it killed like a percentage of her brain cells. And so they gave my grandmother an option to either let her go then or to keep her on the plug. And my grandmother made the choice to keep her. And looking back, it would have been better if she did not make that choice because it caused so much, so much suffering. With within our family, right. and um, right. close to the, close to the end, I went home and my friend was like, "When you go home this time, go into the room and tell your mother everything you ever wanted to say to her."
4: Wow. And,
3: and I sat down with her, and you know, she could she would just flinch. You know, my grandmother had to bathe her, everything like, and my grandmother treated her like a baby, like you know, and my grandmother felt like she was in a Almost like in a in a zone. I won't say she went crazy, but it was like, oh, don't your mother look pretty? And did it? And it's like mm-hmm. we would have to say fantasy. Right. Yeah, we would cre- this created, she, cre-
2: she created a world. She yeah. created a world. That she that can cope like, with that. Yeah. yeah,
3: and it's like she was like, I'm all I want is my baby to talk to me. I just want my baby to talk to me before I die. So she created oh. this world, and we all played along mm. with it. It was just like, I mean, it's like the love of your life. I don't care what my mother, I don't care what she went through and what she did. That was the love of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Laying up in that hospital, I mean, laying up in that bed was just so, 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 like, I I don't even have words for it. So anyway, I sat down and I just, I told her that I forgave her. And she told me the the last letter she wrote, because she wrote a letter to me um when i moved out here and she basically apologized it was like i'm so sorry i took the coward's way out mm-hmm. i didn't mean it and you remind me of what i could have been and i'll see you on tv and go out there and be a star for me and very pr- prophetic mm-hmm. you know but um so anyway when i sat down that last moment with her i just told her i forgave her and i'm like i went out here i've been on tv and and i just forgave her and then a month later she, she died. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, um, yeah, that was. And then, like, two years later, my grandmother ended up passing. Mm-hmm. Once, mm-hmm. once she died, my grandmother didn't have a reason to live. Mm-hmm. And she kind of zoned out and she passed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, But yeah, it was just kind of, you know, with the minister society, with the sexuality battle, with the. the desperation for the career your motherland up in the in 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 the comatic state and with the takers and the users and the mm-hmm. it was just, I mean I don't even know why I'm still here honestly I don't even mm. know why I'm standing here having an intelligent conversation with you guys <laughs> uh, mm. I mean I even as I talk about this stuff, I'm like, wow, you're a strong man. Like, how did you, but it's not me. I just feel like it's, it's bigger than me. Just like Mm -hmm. that article headline, everything has been bigger than me. Like there definitely is a purpose for my life. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it was hard and it it affected my health. I was, uh, you know, I I got a hernia Mm. because I was a part of the spiritual practice and because I'm codependent and I'm running around helping people and, my right. body floated, and then I was in the right. hospital for like nine days because I my my appendix burst, and oh, it was uh, like, and I was just like, I have to get free. Right. I have to get free. I have mm-hmm. to. So I started speaking up. You know, people started falling off because once they start to see that you, they can't use and abuse you anymore,
4: right.
3: then it's like, oh, we can't get no cheese. The rats realize they can't get <laughs> cheese, so they, so they skirt. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right. That's what this pandemic has been. It's been me, like, finally waking up to my reality and looking at this shit, and like, this is some fucked up shit that you've created because you don't love yourself and you have not accepted yourself, and these people are treating you like that. And so, in that speaking up, it started to clear the energy, right? You know that energy. Right. Hilliard sends this letter, and then. Here we sit.
2: Right. So. And it seems like, but then, you know, dealing with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people are having their come to Jesus moment within the last 14 months, you know, or the year and the four months that we've been <clears throat> dealing with this new world, this new world order, pretty much. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, the fact that someone felt comfortable to send the clip of a film to somebody as a joke and then for them to lose their job, (laughs) you know, where before all this person, (laughs) yes. And a CEO, big time folk, you know, where something like this probably would never have happened, you know, a few years ago. I just feel like there's so, I mean, I know we joke and I know my friends, we talk about all these, you know, the age of Aquarius, the age of, you know, so many new changes and, and, and new thoughts and new ways of seeing things. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say that this is the way it's supposed to, it's supposed to work itself out for you, Dwayne, in terms of the many changes that are coming forth and the idea that we're able to talk about these things freely now, because I'm thinking about people who are listening to this, who are dealing with this right now, who are probably going through what you're going through or went through when you were a young person and actually having people openly discuss it. Um, especially a lot of us who are black artists in terms of our mental health. I mean, I promised you 10 years ago, none of us would be talking about seeing therapists yeah. or talking we're, about we're, our anxiety. We're talking about it on the
1: Black Committee now. As a matter of yeah. fact, we, we yeah. had two meetings about blood and mental health. Yeah.
2: Talking mm-hmm. about how we're dealing with ways of being, and you know, just not, n- not just our sexuality, but just, just all kinds of things that are happening. So I think there's, there's like this consciousness shift that's happening. And like you said, this is probably meant to be in, in terms of you listening to spirit to go ahead and put that letter out. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And
3: that's what I also want to say too, because I know like one of my friends was like, Oh, you use that as a strategy. And I was like, no, I don't, again, I don't really care what people think at this point. Cause I can't, cause that is what got me into some mental health challenges and mm-hmm. I'm working through, I don't care, but I know what the reality was. This was not me right. trying to job. Cause at this point I wasn't really, I told Hilliard, Mm -hmm. I had earlier that week, I was considering moving to Belgium because a friend of mine moved to Belgium. I was looking at Airbnbs <laughs> and hotels and like, Listen, oh. And, and,
2: what do you think I've been doing the last nine months? Like, I'm trying to get the fuck up out of the United States. Yeah,
3: <laughs> exactly. You so, know, I'm trying to leave. So this is <laughs> this wasn't the desperate crackhead Dwayne. The crack. This wasn't that Dwayne trying to get get on and get put on. This was really like a compassionate That's, act. Yes. Like, oh my God, this brother. I mean, I've been in this industry for so long. I know how hard it is on your spirit, on your emotions, on your body. I've experienced mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional breakdowns from this career, from this business. So it was really just like, let's send that brother some love. But, you know, of course, everything we do. Is in service to our careers. So I'm not in denial about that in a sense, but I'm just saying, like, it came from my heart. I'm not. And Dwayne, and let's be real. And I think you felt that.
2: And Dwayne, let's be real. It, it, it really wasn't your choice because it just happened to be something that this dude sent out that had you in it. So it's kind of like, that's not your fault that, you know, someone wanted to use this to, like, to, to, to oppress or or make fun of another black man for you to come out and say, yeah, I fucking did that role. And this is what's happening. And guess what? Here I am. But but we have to also
1: say this really clearly D this isn't the first time this has been out about something. Yes. You know what I mean? This, this scene has come out in different scenarios and different, you know, news things and different things before Mm -hmm. this is the first time you're like, I'm going to respond. This is the first time. This isn't yeah. the first time this has been out and you're like, ooh, there's an opportunity. You can you know make yeah. that 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean?
0: And it
3: wasn't even the opportunity, it wasn't even like, I'm telling you, it was nothing about, I'm going to use this opportunity to come out, I'm going to use this opportunity for me to get in deadline, I'm going to it was nothing about that, and I think that is what the biggest lesson about all of this is for me, when I get out of my head and get out of my way and just follow the yellow brick road, Mm -hmm. the way will be made, you know what I'm saying, and the way that's made right now, you know, the way it is made right now is that I just feel so revolutionarily free and happy and like, ah, and now I can go to the barbershop and sit up and not, and, and, and when they're talking about gay people or fat or whatever they want to say, I can speak up and just be, you know what I'm trying to say? Now
4: right, I can just right. be
3: myself. And I do, I do think that there needs to be somebody who is masculine presenting
4: Mm-hmm.
3: representing the LGBTQ community in a sense because mm-hmm. I didn't really see that and I still don't see it you know what I'm saying I see the, still some of the stereotypical representations and I'm not judging it but I'm just saying right. like right. I don't know if, I just don't know what the yellow brick road has in store for me but I'm open and I'm ready and I'm available and I'm willing
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know so got a
2: lot there yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think that's super important. Um, I'm mm-hmm. gonna ask you something else about, um, your, um, well, we were, we were talking on the phone the other day, Dee, about, um, like, like, well, we were talking about representation. We were talking about, um, uh, misunderstandings and like all these different things. Um, so you were talking a moment ago about, you know, you were at a place where you were thinking about, like, moving to Belgium, right? And now, do you feel like, oh, this is what I was going to ask you. Has anybody reached out to you other than people that you know about this since this article came out? Yes. Um, and, and, for example, because I kept wondering, knowing this went viral, um, I know that everybody in the movie probably has saw this. So has anybody reached out? Well, So, you know,
3: the thing is, when you're not like I, I keep saying that when you're not on social media.
1: Oh, that's right. I forget about that. You
3: know, if you're not on Instagram, I didn't even post this on my Instagram feed. I didn't post right. the article because, again, I'm really not trying to make this about my career. And I'm not. I mean, it's it'll, it's a beautiful. It'll, it will be a beautiful thing if that is if it happens, but I'm not, oh, look at me, and oh, look what I did, and oh, that's not my goal. My goal was just to express myself, and I was able to do it on a big platform. Right. I did get a message from a producer, and he was, he's, and I, you know, looked him up, and he's done some great things, and he was just like, I read your article, and I'm so proud of you, and of course, I was like, oh, okay, well, one day, hopefully we can work together. And he was just like, just keep being brave.
4: Mm. You just
3: keep being brave. Yeah. And to me, that was just like, and I didn't even really look at it like it was an act of bravery, but I guess it was. It and, was then I ran into, yeah. Yeah. and then I ran yeah. into this actor at the yeah. at, uh, Trader Joe's who's like, you know, this mm. manly actor. And I, he was like, hey. And I, said, I was like, hey. And I was like, guess what I did? And I told him, he just, he hugged me and he loved on me. He was like, Dwayne. He was like, This is fun. He said, I love gay people. (laughs) <laughs> I've always had gay friends, and I wish I wanted to be gay, and I tried to, but it just didn't work. And I, and he was just so it was just hilarious. He was just like, oh my god. He was like oh, he's like my friends even called me like a a fag, hat whatever, whatever a Judy. I'm sorry, whatever he said, but he yeah. was just like so, and I, and to me that just made me feel so good because there are a lot of people who are out lots here of allies. who are closet supporters. Yes. You know what I'm trying to say, yes. but they can't support you if you're.
2: Afraid, right?
3: Showing them who you are,
2: All
3: right? And then again, I know there's a lot of ignorant people out there too. I mean, we right. we live in a world of
2: right.
3: clarity, and, and I funny. accept that too.
1: It's funny because you you were talking earlier, and you had said, you know, the church. Here's the other thing that I think about that I that I don't think we think about enough in the black community. <clears throat> this is an unfortunate truth that I have analyzed. This is just a piece of the puzzle, by the way. We forget a huge percentage of our black men go to prison. What happens in prison? You get to prison, and the worst thing in the world to be is gay. Oh, my yes. gosh. You feel me? So, those motherfuckers go in and come out with that same mentality, right? So, to see somebody gay, to come across somebody gay, to go now go to church because they're cleaning their life up and somebody's gay, they still have that mentality.
4: Mm-hmm. So, if
1: every third black person in the whole community goes to jail, you can going to have a whole neighborhood for the people who don't like gay people. Right. You know what I mean? Not alone. Forget the church. Right. Prison has also made it a bad place, you know, to, to be like that. So we're being taught this bullshit, you know what I mean? In an institution that already lives by their own set of politics, you know, and rules. And so they come out of those places years later with that mentality. You know what I mean? And that's the other thing that I think that we're up against, that I, people need to be going into the prisons and having these conversations. You know what I mean? But I mean, You can't change the politics. It is what it is. But there are some things that could be adjusted, I think, hopefully, at least with yeah. some, would you say ignorance? With, that's what yes. it is. Yes. Like,
3: well, I think it's even beyond the sexuality. I think black men have not been allowed to be human. And again, I I pointed to the slavery It's because we were supposed to be strong and never let them see you sweat and you be strong and you don't go out there, you don't be weak, you don't feel, you don't, you know what I'm saying? And 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 that's what's creating the alcoholism and the drug abuse and the mental health behavior, because when you're repressing your truth.
2: And not allowed it's to be vulnerable. To
3: out, yes, it's going to come out in some kind of way, and mm-hmm. I am a living example of how it came. It comes out. It comes out in mental health challenges, in your body, in your emotions, and you know what I'm trying to say. So, right. because a right. part of me, I was afraid it to even be sensitive. Like you're not supposed to be sensitive. You're not supposed to be crying. You're not. Mm-hmm. Stop being a victim. You yes, don't show. Right. You. It's like no, but I've been victimized. I've been molested. I've been. You know what I'm saying? There's been so many things that has happened to me, and y'all don't want me to talk about it and you don't want me to feel right. about it. And that's right. the problem. Mm-hmm. So there's just it's, it's so many layers to it. It's so many and, and it's it's bigger than just the sexuality piece. Right. Like it's just about like, can we just be well Whitney Houston's movie, can I just be me? <laughs>
4: right. Right. Can I
3: just be yeah. me? Whatever it's, the fuck so, that is. Yes. Yes. Whatever the fuck Jesus. that is, can I yeah. just be me? Can I yeah. cry? Can I scream? Can I get angry? Because they don't want us to be angry. They don't want us to cry. They just don't want us to be human.
4: Right. And that's
3: right. how they are. we are allowing society and religion and stuff to control us and to right. continue to make us more of the monsters that they judge
2: us to be. Right. And it's interesting because you know, okay. my former job when I ran an outdoor science school one of the things, you know, a lot of my students were Latino or Black and you know, I, de- I as being the program manager, I had to deal with a lot of the discipline stuff. So when it came time to like really hardcore, something bad is happening, you gotta call Lisa in to handle that, you know, and part of my job running this outdoor science school is okay. I still get to do the fun stuff. Like we could do skit night, do the line dancing, do all the science. I still gotta do it. And one of the things that was eye-opening for a lot of the younger people was, and some of the teachers, um, and trying to help them deal with young people is allowing our boys to feel vulnerable, to feel emotions. A lot of times they would come to my office, you know, you get these defenses, you get the first, second, third, and by the time you get like fourth defense, you come to see me. And a lot of times they come to my office and they're so used to just people just going in on them like, ah, and my thing would be, just tell me what happened. And a lot of times with boys, Girls do it too. But a lot of times boys, they don't want to make the eye contact thing. And they'll do this thing where they look up at the ceiling because they don't want you to see the tears coming out. Right. And I would just sit there and simply say, you know what, let's just take a moment. I'll just sit here with you. And it's okay to feel what you're feeling. When you're ready to talk to me, just, you know, whatever. And a lot of times I would go and we'd sit and we'd just sit there and the teacher would be there and i just sit there and a lot of times they would just cry. And I wouldn't judge them. I wouldn't say things like, oh, don't cry. You don't need to cry. i just sit there like, we're feeling what we're feeling right now. And then I would say, how are you feeling? Mm. You know, Do you need me? What would you like me to do? Would you like to talk right now? Or do you need time to just feel what you're feeling? Um, I can go sit at my desk, giving them choices. Like, what would you like me to do? Would you like to talk right now? Or do you need time to just, just be in this moment? A lot of times they'd be like, yeah, let me just feel this. And they would just cry. Mm. And I would just sit there with them and just let them have that. And then eventually that breathing changes, they feel a little bit, okay, I've let these things out and I'm feeling like something and let me hear what your side of the situation is and what would you like me to do right now? Would you like me to leave you and come back in five minutes, give them some choices to feel empowered? But it's, and having those teachers who are just so ready to just, uh, and they did this and they did that, it's like, I already know that. That's the reason why they're here with me let me <laughs> let me handle this my way and and deal with that and just it's just such a transformative thing to see young boys who've never had that option to be hurt. just not just mm. to be heard but to feel mm. okay, i'm let me so tell you fucking upset and mad and i'm yeah. so mad that i want to cry and i'm like go ahead and it's okay and when you're ready i'm right here for you and then mm. ask them what would you like me to do, as opposed to us telling them, "This is what you're gonna do"? And guess what? I'm calling your mom. I still got to call her home, but it's still like a it'll little be bit a different phone deal. call. Yeah, it'd be. Well, a let me tell phone you. Yeah.
3: Let me tell you. It's like as much life as I taught I just told y'all about when I first went to therapy. I was forty five, not 45, I was about 41. And the therapist kept saying, it sounds like you're angry. Oh no, I'm not angry. I'll just be telling him all this stuff. Well, I bet you're angry. Oh no, I'm not angry. I bet you, Mm. it took me about a year. Now, first of all, the therapist was falling asleep consistently in my sessions. (laughs) And I didn't say nothing because at this point I had nobody to talk to. So I would look out of the window and pretend like I didn't see this man sleeping in my sessions. And so also I want to talk about how even trying to work on yourself and healing yourself, it's, I just pray for us all I pray for especially my black brothers and black sisters and stuff, because even in the therapeutic community, you just deal with so much bullshit. And there were so many opportunities for me to stop because it's like, this man was sleeping. So anyway, it took me about a year for me to finally just be like, I am angry as fuck. Yes, I'm angry. Like, you know, but, but, but I had that wall, like, you know, don't you're not supposed to be angry. You're not don't be the angry black man. Don't right. be the you know what I'm trying to say? And exactly. And it's something exactly. that we just resist because we don't want them to be right. And that's another reason why I think I resisted my sexuality because I grew up and everybody was knew I was different because mm-hmm. I'm on the porch, I'm in the house reading books, I'm in the National Honor Society, I'm singing, I'm doing, so everybody was always judging me, like, you're gay, he's gay, oh, your brother's gay, oh, you write like a girl, you do this, and I used to cry, because I didn't even really know what gay was, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not that, I'm not that, and so part of my resistance of even my sexuality was like, I didn't want to prove them wrong, I mean, them right, I did mm-hmm. not want to prove them right, yeah. and so that's the same thing with the anger, it was like I did not want to say I'm an angry black man because mm. that has been the stigma. So if right. I say it,
2: stereotype,
3: right? It's a stereotype. You right. know what I'm saying? So I resisted it so so strongly, and I realized that that was a cancer inside of me because right. what you resist is going to keep on persisting, mm. persisting until you say until you accept it and be like, I am angry. I am right. hurt getting on right. my fucking nerves whatever. Right. Say to the person. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you
1: know? Right. You said in your article, right. um, like after Black Lives Matter, you had a turn. What what was it? Do you remember the moment or what it was for you? Was it in therapy? Was it something you saw, you know, um in, in the in the in the ether about what was going on at the time? You know? Cause I know we all we live in trauma year round anyway. But I, that certainly heightened everything and brought up our senses a lot differently. Is there something in that?
3: I think like that whole the quarantine because you had to sit with yourself and even still, that is not over. Like you're spending, I'm spending a lot more time with myself, like by myself and journaling and thinking. And it was like the first time we can sit down acting. You can sit down your desperation sit all that down and just sit with yourself and so the black lives matter when that came up it was like i just saw how we have been humiliated Mm -hmm. like so like just so deeply you know i had a situation where i was in a gay club and i was at a bar having a drink 10 police officers come in flashing lights and I'm sitting up there having my drink and I'm like, oh, what's going on? The police are oh, in here. And they, they come to me and it was like, oh, yeah. Excu- me, excuse me. And they were like, can we see your ID? And I'm like, my ID? Oh, oh okay. show on the ID, they was like, could you come with us? What? They put, they put me in handcuffs. What? Walk me out of this club. Have me up against the wall. Everybody's wow. coming out of the club, screaming and hollering. The man whispers in my ear and said, There is a murderer. And you meet the description.
2: What? Wait, they were able to come into a club. Wow. Somebody said I see you.
3: Yes, as they, they said, somebody called and said. You meet the description of wow. somebody who murdered someone. Uh,
2: did you so ask? Man, they what, take what, you what, out. What? And, what, man, what was like? What was took, the specific description? <laughs> Show me the picture. <laughs> I was so
3: I was so hurt and so embarrassed and so disappointed. Mm. To I just I'm, i it was just like a. Like I said, I've had moments in my life. One of my friends was like, "Dwayne, I think you be lying. I think some of these stories that you tell—they're. Wow. I'm like, okay. oh.
4: I know. Oh, they, I said, I don't, wow. it.
3: I, I don't lie because, but, but, but they're so fantastical. I can right. understand why he said that.
1: Right. And right. so
3: he—they put—they kept me in handcuffs.
1: Plus, you're a great storyteller, so it sounds.
4: Right. So yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so they they kept okay. me in handcuffs, and then
3: they finally released me, and. I was gonna go home all broken, and hurt, and I went back up in there and had a drink, and just like everybody was, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, so, I mean, so the point is, I've endured some very disgusting things in relationship to just being a black man. Right. And I know there are a lot of other people, and I've dealt with a lot of disrespectful stuff being a queer man. Uh-huh. And so I think it was just, it's like, no, it's it's like the Black Lives Matter. It's like, no, it's time for everybody to fucking be free. If you don't get free at this time in the history of this world.
2: Listen, say that. I
3: ain't going to say shame on you because it's on you. But I I said, I'm coming out of this pandemic a whole nother motherfucker. Okay. Flat out. You know what I'm saying? A whole nother fucking okay. king, Be Look, and yes. just between, I, I, I got this crown <laughs> yes. that I wear. Wow. Okay. No, I, yes. I put this crown okay. on every day and I dance in the mirror for 15 minutes because yep. I need to remind myself who I am because right. we were not, we didn't just come from slavery. Right. Our history did not start in slavery. Our yep. history started back. We were kings and queens, and, and, and it's like, and we forgot. I forgot or I never knew because Mm. I didn't do the research. Mm. But now I'm doing a quarantine. I've been doing the research and I've been listening to people like Beyonce. She's telling you
4: Mm -hmm. that's
3: what that whole black parade and that whole movie. She's she's trying to tell you even what she's doing. You know what I'm saying? People are Mm -hmm. stepping into their power and their greatness in such a powerful way. And I want to be a part of that movement. Mm -hmm. And I don't even want to be around haters and negative toxic people. Like, get away from me. I don't want to hear your negativity. That's why I don't want to be on social media. I don't want to hear the ignorance because it's ignorance. Right. I don't want to read the comments. I don't, you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, it's good that that you tell me and people are telling me what's going on. But it's like, really, it's really about just a time of self-empowerment.
2: Right. You know? Right. So. That, yeah. new, that, that new type of consciousness. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man. Well, thank you, D. We appreciate having you on the
1: show, man. This was fun. Oh, dude. I, I told did. you we just going to talk about it. I told
2: you. It's just we just talk yeah. and we just we just shoot the breeze, talk about stuff. And sometimes it gets emotional. It could be funny. It could be like, ah, but it's just the idea of just talking and having people listen. Because so many people do listen to what you know our guests say and they take it to heart. And like i said this whole global thing has has been a, a a shift for a lot of people and for you to speak your truth and to say that and it's so important because i feel like a lot of people a lot of my own personal friends that are like writers and in, and in, in sci-fi and different stuff like that they're going through a lot of stuff in terms especially my black ones who are talking about when you're talking about going to belgium it's like i feel like this is like all of us who are turning into like James Baldwin or Maya Angelou who's like, I need to get the fuck up out of America just for a little bit of time to get away for a little bit so I can like get back to myself and be able to deal with it. Because there's just so much like literally I just happen to be on Twitter. I have my other separate Twitter account that's supposed to put my romance stuff mm. and even my romance stuff that's supposed to be about love and people loving each other and black love, queer love, all types of love. I'm still getting all the other stuff from my other Twitter account, which is all the stuff like, oh, God, it's depressing me. Oh, that's the reason why I left that other side of Twitter and stuff. But I just feel like there's a lot of Black artists that are making that shift to leave for a little bit, find <clears trying throat> a place to go. I don't. I, I, it's like the second, I don't know if it's the Harlem Renaissance or the new type of, like, Black artistic consciousness where we need to go, to be out of this country for a little bit to to look at it in a different way. I don't know. I mean, in terms of you talking about going to Belgium, like I've been talking about a couple of my friends going to Mexico because I'm right near the border. And there's a couple of places that have like black women in particular Mm -hmm. who are, are leaving for a little bit, who are writers, who are artists, who are creating these places as expats to like, just get, to be able to breathe for a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this is something later on, like maybe Hilliard, maybe we can do something like that and talk about an episode where we're talking about this new type of, Artistic consciousness and finding the new spaces and creating new spaces, but Dwayne, I, I totally feel it when you're talking about looking at Belgium or looking out because you're not, just know that you're not alone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, because exactly. again, about my, my purpose of what I know I came in this world to be free, which I have a song about or whatever. And I wrote that back in 2007. And I, again, my soul was speaking out through my music. It's like I came in this world to be free. And it's like I would just wonder if I was in an environment where I can just be all of me without having to be put in handcuffs because I'm sitting in a bar enjoying my friends. And like, you know what I'm saying? It's like all of these moments that have happened. It's like, I wonder if you went to an environment that just embraced you. Wonder what that would be. I used to wonder what it would be if I came up in a family that was healthier, but, but right. that's not right. my reality. So right. it's like, okay, I don't right. create that right. in your own personal life. That's with your friends. Like don't hang out with people who, if you don't feel somebody it's okay. It ain't that you're wrong and they're wrong. It's just, it's okay. Like, really create, like, a safety island for yourself. That's what one of my therapists says. like, safety island. <clears throat> safety island. What is that for right. you? Oh, it's beautiful and it's sunshiny and everybody can be who they want to be and you can be, you can do what, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, create, yeah. you create that for myself. And That was I,
2: like, that was like me as a kid because just, you know, just like you talked about, you come from, like, a rough kind of upbringing very similar, you know, in my home and just dealing with a lot of trauma, a lot of stuff. But I, it would be always like when I, every year when you watch the the cartoon for Christmas time and it'd be like the island, it'd be like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer but it'd be like the island of misfit children or misfit toys. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was my favorite, it's like, that is me. I'm one of those misfit toys. If I could just find the island and find those other people that are like that, that would be my spot, you know, like just find us together, the island of misfit things. And it would be like a a safe space but i feel like a lot of black creatives today are looking for that kind of safe space you know
3: but you can be goofy you can just
2: yes be be you you can can cry
3: like that's i mean you know so that's my hope for myself that's my goal and that and and also it's like okay well align yourself with people and, and energies that reflect that like if it doesn't reflect that in your life I mean, in the people you're hanging out with or in the environment, like, you can create that. Like, you have, you have power. You're not powerless anymore. Like, you're not that little kid anymore who can't say no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So.
2: Even though, even though many of so, us carry, carry that little person in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: yeah. So, uh,
1: speaking of power, I'm going to read one more last little passage as we wrap up here. And it, was, it goes like this. This is toward the end of the, the, the letter you wrote. <clears throat> it says, I feel like this is a full circle moment in a sense. And just like Jarrell has done, I take my power back. I'm not the scared little kid from Detroit with a past, low life, uh, past life of low self-esteem, trauma, abuse, and who worked hard to prove himself worthy. I am worthy. I am a man. Uh, I'm, at- I'm a black man. A great queer black man, a black actor. Yes. And I will not sit by and remain silent to abuse of any kind, anymore for the fear of someone discovering my truth, my truth. My story.
2: true story. Yes.
1: How is yes. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was You know, I
3: haven't read that since I posted it. Since I sent it, I can't read it. Understood. and that's the first mm-hmm. time I heard that. That was mm-hmm. deep, man. Mm-hmm. Wow, and
2: you, wrote, and you wrote that
1: <laughs> no, because he was just it was just coming <laughs> out of him, though. He like wasn't trying game. to edit, he wasn't yeah. trying to edit it, it
2: was just flowing out. And then he, said, what he said. To be said, I just
3: hope it touches some little kid in Detroit or any other urban town or even in LA, wherever. I just hope that this, all of this, like, I just hope it helps
2: somebody. That's all I want. And it will. I just, I just know it will. A lot of yeah. times, like I said, a lot of people who listen to the show, you know, a lot of times they are write or they hit us up on Twitter or, you know, our DMs and just say, hey, thank you for saying that. And a lot of times some people may not be ready to, to openly come out and say certain things, but they are listening. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and what you say does matter. And, and just know that, you know, and it took me a long time to realize that, like, oh, I feel like I'm raging out and telling people and then Over the years, in my great big old age, it's like, I realize now that, yeah, you do plant those seeds, and there are people Mm -hmm. who are listening and who are growing from that, even though sometimes you might not see it, it's there. It's there. And just know that. Yes, well,
3: let me say this last thing. I know that was a close war, but Hillier, thank you so much for always being, and I don't even know why. You know how they say in, in churches, I don't know why God loves me so, but he does. I don't know why you have always been a champion of me but you have always been a champion of me and even the first one to send that article when I had we hadn't even talked in, in so long it was like you're just you're just such a great sweet-hearted person and I know you're living a fabulous life but I want you to just my prayer and my hope for you is for all of your amazing, mystical, magical dreams to come true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. deserve it, and you're worth yes. it. Yes. You are
2: a good, Say great that. Person. yes. you.: uh, Yes, that was very
1: nice. if I could only yes. talk now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.: Yes. Uh, again, thank you for being on the show, D. Um, hey, you got any any I know you're not on the social media or anything like that, but did, you said you are on Instagram?
3: Yes, I'm on there. Can, can, can on people Instagram. follow you on there? Sure, follow me on Instagram, Dwayne, Barnes, is, you, Dwayne Barnes. at Dwayne okay. Barnes, yeah, pretty yeah. simple, at Dwayne Barnes, and uh, hopefully you'll see more of me, and, and continue to see more of me, Indeed. you will.
1: You got anything coming up, like what's going on with your music, and people don't know, Dwayne can sing his banging butt off, like I said. By the way, we're going we're gonna to go out on his song, Free.
3: Uh, yes,
1: me, yes. It's going to be tight.
3: I got a couple of things coming now, a little hush-hush, I got a, yeah. Yeah. Oh you, you, you gotta see you're see like, you're like
2: gotta you gotta keep are... it on the on the hush hush. Like, I, ooh, look at I, you.
3: Hope, well, hopefully you'll be hearing something uh, uh, coming up in the next few days. So you know, you know, in Hollywood, you can't really speak. I mean, yeah. it's again, it's
1: like you just be
2: like, yes. like so, yeah.
1: Right, yeah, hopefully, right. hopefully we'll be in
2: deadline again. That'd be good. Okay. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. if you speak too soon, sometimes they'd be knocking around. at your do- they be knocking on your door at them dark suits, be like, can we talk to you outside for a second? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to the to the <laughs> exactly.
3: exactly. You guys are the best, 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 best. Oh, man. Thank you, baby. Thank it. you so much.
1: Uh, where are you at, Lisa Lisa Cult Jam?
2: I'm at What Fresh Hell Is This uh, on Twitter. And before I forget, I want to show you, I, I, was, I always keep this up there. I've got to find my commentary one, but here's a, I don't know if you guys can see it. But it's me, oh gosh, it's me, higher. higher. Uh, higher? Mm-hmm.
4: Uh-huh.
2: It's me and, and Rosa Parks at the bookstore. All right. All right. And, and that was like a couple of years before she passed away. She had that, uh, She had a book tour. Um, there was a, Coretta Scott King had this thing where she was doing a lot of books, uh, children's books and a lot of things for um, a lot of good, like middle grade school stuff. And there was a book that came out that was about Rosa Parks. And Rosa Parks is on her book tour. So, of course, she came to San Diego and she was hanging out with us. And, you know, it's just, she was, she reminded me a lot. She looked like one of my aunties. So it was kind of like, even though people were enamored because she looked like family,
4: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I was working at the bookstore and I was walking around. And it was like, I treat her like she's my auntie. And, um, Like I said, you know, you meet so many different people. And it was just so funny, the fact that she came around that the time that Men in Society had come out. And I just remember because, you know, all the homies were there and we went to go see it. And it was just one of those iconic film moments, you know, that when you talk about it years later, you don't realize how iconic it was and and what it means, you know, in terms of the culture and stuff. And, you know, Dwayne, for you to be part of that, you know... um, even with all the things that you went through, just being with that, you know, it, it, it's part of black film history, you yeah. know? And you're a part of that, you know? And, you
3: know? And I'm glad, I'm actually, the last point, I'm so glad, I was telling my friend, I was like, well, actually I'm glad I played the crackhead because I could have been a guy in the McDonald's drive-thru and nobody <laughs> would, <laughs> nobody would <be> talking <laughs> And nobody oh, be talking my- about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's actually a fortunate moment.
2: You know? <laughs> so, you things are meant.
3: Yeah. Things are meant. Yeah. All yeah. things work
2: together for the, things work for the good. All things work for the good. Yes. All things work together for the good. Well, I'll, we wish
1: you all the best in life, yes. love, and all that. Um, you know, you and your partner out there, we appreciate you finally coming out telling people what's going down. You know, yes, I know yes. what's going for you. Like I said, I know when I read the article, I know I was in tears because I know you. And I know how important it is for that moment to have that, that breakthrough moment where you just say, fuck it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, like a, it's like a dancer dancing and not even remember that the music is playing. It's like right, an, audience, an actor in a scene and you didn't even remember that the audience was out there. Yeah, it's like all through. those things. All yeah. Right. Yeah, very right, so, right. Anyway, wishing you all the best. Um, you guys can find me at hilliard guests i am on instagram Inst- instagram instagram twitter, <laughs> twitter. Uh, i say twitter like i'm cool um, <laughs> i'm on clubhouse god damn it um same thing um you guys can follow the show screenwriters rr on twitter any questions ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com please go on itunes stitcher apple Podcasts, um spotify whatever you guys listen to we're everywhere um all over the world um, doing this show out there, trying to give you guys some game. Um, let me see. Oh, we go on our um, website, screenwritersrr.com. We got t shirts and mugs and shit on there. So please go out there and support that. Um, shout out to Chris. Chris is, you know, working. Um, he'll, he'll be making a big announcement, hopefully, in the next week or two to let us know some shit. So, see what
2: happens. Let him say it. I ain't going to say it. See what's, see what's um, going down. Yeah. Chris is working <laughs> on a big show right now that he can't even talk about. So okay. I'm, I'm, like, so. literally, if he says anything, they come into his house.
1: <laughs> With that light. With that light. So, anyway, we out here doing big things. Um, a lot of good stuff happening for me and Pamela. You know, um, you know... I'm not going to jinx it. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> See, everybody is just like, nope, don't,
2: don't say <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> yeah, eat it. And people it. come up to you, <laughs> what happened with that and sound?
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> Trust me, I've been in there like,
4: okay.
1: I feel like 20 times in the last two years. It's like, God yeah. damn. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so again, thanks, D. Appreciate having you. Lisa, yes, everybody nice. join with me for Wakanda Forever. Yes. Yeah. Um and so yeah, Chad
2: wins that Oscar.
1: You guys know how we do it on the Rant Room On this show, we keep it real We keep it opinionated We keep it what, everybody Wakanda forever (laughs) (laughs)
0: Thanks everybody I came in this world to be Free 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 I came here to be so free. 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 That's why I'm saying bad. And I'm doing bad. And that. living my life my way, my way, my way. I came here to be so Free, free, free. Oh, come on and say something, and do something, and live your life your way, your way, your way. So free, so free, so free, so free, so free. Leave your life so free, so free, so free, so free, so free. Leave your life so free, so free, so free, so free, so free. Free, the way you were born to. Free, free, so so free, so so free. Set yourself as free as you want to, and who you are will come through to take care of you. Live your life. So free, so free, so free. Open the door, open the door.